Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I am Bill Arnold. We're going to have a great couple of hours just the way I planned it. We have Guide Talk coming up in this hour, and then Bev Canaris is going to be joining me in the second hour. Sometimes men just need to gather, and they need to discuss. They need to talk about uh, what's going on uh, with faith and family and culture, a word I hardly ever use, but I think it's a good time to use it because... We need, as men, need to get together, and as iron sharpens iron, so one man another. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Peter Kapsner and uh, Ryan Katula. We're going to have a great hour together, and Dr. Uh, Jim Bilby was going to be with us, but he apparently can't join us now, so he will make it up to us next time, so he says. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's take 60 seconds and then get Guy Talk underway. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You know, for 70 years, Faith Radio has been a trusted voice sharing the good news of the gospel, lifting up the name of Jesus, and helping listeners grow in their faith. God has been faithful to this ministry, thanks to the financial investment of thousands of friends just like you. Your partnership is still needed for the work ahead. Join us today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-93-FAITH. Thank you. There are two holes and the color is faded. Your kid needs new shoes for school. But I don't want new shoes. These are so comfortable. Many times, faith can become like an old pair of shoes. It's the right fit. It's comfortable, so you just want to stay put. At Faith Radio, we think it's time for a change. Because as you listen to the uplifting teaching and conversations from God's Word, growth happens and new things are waiting for you. Will there be blisters? Maybe. But you'll be dressed for the journey. Faith Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm awfully glad to have Guy Talk today. I love Thursdays. Thursdays, Guy Talk this hour always gives us a chance to uh, tackle some issues. Whatever issues you might like us to talk about, let us know. 877-933-2484 is the text line. Send us a text. Give us a topic. Give us a subject. Give us something to chew on, and we will do our very best. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Peter Kapsner and Ryan Kotula. And gentlemen, Welcome. Great to be here, Bill. Thank you. And Ryan, a special welcome to you. The first time at Guy Talk. Yeah, first time here. Yeah, and we're thrilled you could make it. So thank you so much for uh, for being here. And let me start with a, a little bit of a, a softball here, softball. If you were going into the witness protection program, <laughs> All right. and Peter, it's very likely you might. Quite, it's a very relevant question at this point, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, your new name was going to be a combination of your middle name and the name of the street you grew up on. What would be your new name? So I would be Braun Black Oaks Lane. <laughs> and that's, you'd have to hyphenate that one, I think, on some yeah. level. So, yeah. Brown, Brack, Brown. Brown, yeah, Braun Black Oaks Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think you'd be, uh, you'd, you'd have trouble st- keeping an eye on that I, one. I would have to be on a desert island somewhere. Yeah, I think that so. For sure. What yeah. about you, Ryan? Uh, I'd be David Vildmark. 
David Vildmark. That's an actual name. That <laughs> yeah. sounds way better than Black yeah. Oak Lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I could blend in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I like that. So who would be the most famous person you've ever met? Wow, that's a great question. It's uh, not a super great question. It's just one of those living vicarious through other people's lives. Yeah, you know, we've talked in the past a little bit that I had an opportunity with uh, Jim Bilby, who bailed on us this afternoon, uh, to cover the NBA. And uh, so I've been in the locker rooms with a lot of those NBA players, including, yeah. uh, I would say, you know, obviously then it's LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, some sort of... A little starstruck there? Yeah, you know, I was. Yeah. It, it was really... And uh, and Jim was sort of the lead of that whole organization that we were writing for, and he said you can't actually become a full reporter in this situation until you ask Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs a question, who's sort of this famous curmudgeon who really treats reporters as well beneath them. So it was with great fear and trepidation, and I was very <laughs> starstruck in the moment when I tried to ask him a simple question about Tony Parker's ankle, and that was that got me through to the other side. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Uh, met a lot of people in passing through uh, through business, but uh, yeah. I mean, local favorite is uh, probably Neil Broughton. Is, uh, as a kid, I did commercials with him for, cool. uh, for Northern Tool and Equipment, so, yeah. so we did... Uh, Knew him and talked to him, you know, extensively through the while they're doing commercials and stuff. But that's about as famous as I I know from. I like it. I like it. I had a chance to meet Richard Nixon when he was the sitting president. Really? Yeah. When he was the sitting president. Yeah. yeah. What I was the context for that? Well, I, I was. We were vacationing um, in um, down in the Keys, and we had a we had a little rented place, and it was right on the canal. And his uh, yacht came through the canal one day. Wow. Yeah. And I ran to the edge of the, of the um, canal and I said, uh, hello, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> did he shout back or do anything? He did talk to me. He did. Yeah. And I, I, um, I said, uh, he goes, well, you seem like a fine young man. And I said, boy, I wish my parents were here <laughs> so they could have heard you say that. <laughs> and Nixon started laughing. That's amazing. I made Nixon laugh. I right. was like 12. That is very, well, that sets you on the trajectory yeah. for this gig at this point. Yes. If absolutely. You can make Nixon laugh. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, right. you're doing something right. Right. You're doing something right. It's, it is fun uh, to meet um, people. You know, it's, it's so, um, it's so disarming. It when is, they, it when they emerge out of nowhere. It's like there was a Secret Service boat came, then another one, but I didn't know they were Secret Service boats. And then the presidential yacht comes through. And there's Nixon sitting on the front of it, a little president jacket did you yeah. have a sense he was bigger than life or was he did he seem just like a normal guy seemed in that like moment? a normal guy yeah that's yep. really interesting yep all right let's get uh, slightly more serious and i was curious because uh it's gotten to be so uh bullying has gotten to be such a big deal uh with kids today and i know you both have kids and have you had any reports from kids about uh, other kids that have been bullying hmm. Well, school just started for our kids, uh, let's see, this this past Monday. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, not too many reports recently over the summer. And, you know, they go to a, a, a good school. It hasn't been too bad. But, of course, bullying's everywhere, no matter what school you're going mm-hmm. to. So um, with that, you know, we're – I'm just trying to think back to, to my high school, you know, long, long time ago, of course. Right, right. <laughs> but, it's, you know, there is it – are we more sensitive? Is it more, you know, out there today versus – um, yeah, even my wife and I were talking about it last night is, um, you know, is there, is there, uh, you know, like her grandpa was picked on and then her dad was picked on and then other people were picked on. And it's like, is there, is there generational, mm-hmm. you know, not strongholds or, or sins, but it's like, why, uh, why do certain families get picked on? That's a great question. And then there's, you know, and there's certain families, you know, they 
that seemed to pick on other people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, no kidding. So, I, you know, we were just throwing that around last night talking about it, but it's like, yeah, there's a, um, you know, I don't, I don't personally know um, extensive, you know, bullying that I've, that, that I've seen. Of course, if my kids are doing anything, it's, they try to try to step in and go, mm-hmm. you know, how would you like to, how would you feel about that? Would that, how would that make you feel type of thing? Mm-hmm. But trying to parent myself, but so, and also if I see it, it's try and disarm it if uh, kids are picking on other mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. yeah. But, well, let's, let's go back, Ryan. And has there ever been something, uh, a, a wound from your life that was the result of something a bully said or a piece of criticism that was really crushing at the time that kind of hung with you for a while? Uh, there's, there's always stuff that hangs out with you, and you know, there's always, there's always <laughs> yeah, well, things. Life. That, yeah, that's life. But that's that's part of it. That's life. Is you know, and how do you how do you do it? I mean, if I it took everything that people said about me and you know talked about me with all my you know all my jobs here, it's like uh, yeah, I could be I could be crushed under the weight because you know I do nothing right. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible boss. I uh, you know you should you should pay me more. You should give me more time off. You're you're, you're working me to the bone. It's like you know, okay, well. There's a, you know, you, you can't please everybody in life, but, you know, you, you try your best and, uh, you know, act with integrity. Is, right. And that's, uh, you know, from my standpoint, you, you kind of have to let things roll off your back, but there's there's some things you can't. And I'm trying to think of anything that, you know, if it was, if it was deep in my mind and held in there, it, it probably would come right up on, yeah. right up there, but I try yeah. to let it go. Or so, it's so well buried that, yeah. it, that <laughs> yeah. it isn't coming to the surface. Uh, what about you, Peter? Yeah, you know, certainly some of those moments of, and, and Ryan, as I was listening to you talk, I'm trying to think about what's the difference between sort of being picked on and teasing, maybe in the ways in which we experienced growing up, and I think all of us have, uh, and just flat bullying, and is there a difference between them? I'm not, I don't know what the difference would be, but I think what kids are experiencing much more so now today as a result of social media yeah. is like entire playgrounds, metaphorically, of kids that are just sort of bonding against them on social media, and you suddenly, instead of having maybe one or two kids that you have to deal with from a bullying standpoint, now you might have 20 or 30 or 50. And I think that's what's causing such trouble in the schools today. But I don't, I don't know for sure what the difference would be between being bullied and being picked on for sure. Um, all I know is either one of them is painful for sure. And I can certainly think of those moments that I actually think unknowingly did quite a bit of my life with that voice in the back of my head and, and saying, I'm going to succeed at this or I'm going to do this well because I had to prove that voice wrong mm-hmm. for many years of my life. I think I was, I was functioning that way. Yeah. Let me take a little break. We're enjoying Guy Talk. Uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner, Ryan Kotula in studio. If you have any uh, topics you'd like us to cover, let us know what they are. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Back to the show. Guy Talk is underway. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Ryan Kotula are in studio, and we're uh, just having all kinds of uh, things to talk about. If you can certainly join the conversation with a question or a topic. Let us know what it is, 877-933-2484. Ryan, you got us all um, interested now in, in generational bullying and generational curses and things that just get moved on from generation to generation. And, Peter, you're not so sure you know what to think about stuff like that yet, do you? Well, it is one of those things that appears in the biblical text pretty often, right? And yet, I don't know that I've heard great teaching that I'd feel comfortable then reteaching from that standpoint. But uh, I think just even that idea of being influenced in the environment in which you grow up and 
and kids very much are a product of their environment on so many different levels. And so I don't know if, if a generational curse or a sin gets passed down, like say, and Ryan, we were chatting off air about the idea of maybe parents that are constantly antagonistic with each other and always fighting with each other. And, and this gets to be sort of a learned reality about how to do life with the kids. Is that a way in which, the, which this happens? Or is there even something more subtle and even spiritual that gets passed on? Uh, certainly there's all kinds of DNA and physical stuff that gets passed on parent to child. And, and what I do know is that in Old Testament sort of life, thought, and theology is that there was a lot more going on than just the physical realm. Yeah. And, uh, and we're sort of skeptical, understandably so, of the spiritual realm. But I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there are realities that get passed generation to generation from a spiritual standpoint as well. So what do you do with the day's uh, problems or obstacles or difficulties when you put your head on the pillow? Are you, do you compartmentalize them? Can you sort of kind of think, eh, that was just today, tomorrow's going to be new. How do you process life like that? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for myself... Uh, you got a, you got a, first of all, Ryan, you got a busy business career. Yeah, busy business You're career. You're a busy there's, guy. There's plenty of things going on. So I got, you know, several businesses, so there's, you know, got to separate them all off. And, you know, when someone does something at one business, can't... Uh, uh, it doesn't affect the other people at the mm-hmm. other business. Can't take it on anyone. So I, you know, since I deal with so many people, it's 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 tough to separate separate them because it's you know you just get off one phone call with another person and call another another person. You gotta you know they have no idea what's going on with you. All of a sudden you uh, yeah you, you go off on them on the, on their sales and their their stuff. And it's like well they're they're actually doing okay. So um, yeah, when I when I go to bed, I. I can luckily turn it off. It's like, mm. you know, there's there's nothing I'm solving while I'm sleeping. And if I, uh, you know, or I can solve it in my sleep, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's by not sleeping and staying awake all, all night and thinking about it and dwelling on it, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't help me out for the following day. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm. I just got to turn it off so then I can start start new the mm-hmm. next day. Do you have a, a, a passage or a psalm or something that you use to sort of soothe your... Your day's anxieties? <laughs> Soothes my day's anxieties. Yes, yes. I, um, you know, I, I, I wish I could be better at, uh, screwing, uh, quoting scripture, but it's, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, that all things through him is, 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 right. is what it is. It's like, there's, you know, it's, everything happens for a reason. There's, you know, I've, I've been working on a deal for actually it's 787 days and it's been tomorrow it's going to happen. Oh, wow. So every single day, I think it's going to happen. It's because you did my show today. Yeah, right. And it's going to happen. So it's like tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow it's going to happen. So after this, it's going to be great. So is it tomorrow it's really going to happen? Well, every you... day every day I've, I've okay. been tomorrow. It's like, it was, was going to be today. All right. All right. So and it could happen tomorrow. And it could happen tomorrow. All right. right. Well, if it does happen tomorrow, it's because of this show. Absolutely. It will be. A de- and then, then we have to talk again right. with, well, then, with yeah. lawyers. All lawyers. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. All things through him. And so that's what uh, yeah. it happened. And uh, yeah. So it, it happens for a reason. And actually, if it did happen 700 days ago, I would have done. Uh, it would have been wrong. Would, I would Interesting. Been, I would have totally done the wrong thing. So Interesting. it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter, what happens to your little brain at night 
for your big brain. <laughs> I say that with such great affection, yeah, no, just so I, you know. Yeah, that, that love language of teasing, I love yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, I think it depends. I was listening while well, Ryan, I was listening to you talk about it a little bit. I think some nights are better than others in mm-hmm. terms of being able to com- compartmentalize and, and sort of just set aside the things of the day and go to sleep in peace. But I, I find myself in seasons, too, when I think about my 48 years, is just there's there's seasons where I just can't shut it down. That might take uh, a month or two or three, and I'm not entirely sure always why that is. But it doesn't ever feel like it leaves me for that that time. So, I, you know, and I don't know if that's because of life circumstances or just you sort of get amped up and then you can't sort of get unamped up a little bit. But uh, certainly I've had nights where I can shut it down just fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's other nights, even when I begin to try to pray through something or use some scripture, there's still sort of this this underlying kind of energy that I, that just continues to drive me. And give me a couple months of that, you begin to break down a little bit from, from that constant sort of adrenaline and always on and can't shut it down and your mind is spinning and and all of that. So I, I can certainly point to pretty extended seasons where that was the reality of my life. Mm-hmm. So when you think of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Now think of your car with its sensors <laughs> giving you a warning. Mm. What sensor light would be coming on most frequently regarding those fruits? Mm. Yeah, for me, it is. It's probably peace. I mean, if I understand peace is not as the absence of absence of conflict, but mm-hmm. peace is the ability to have calm waters in the midst of conflict or whatever's mm-hmm. going on in life. I would say that there uh, there's certainly some lane departures going on in my life uh, currently. <laughs> so I'd yeah. say that's that's probably the one at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that for me is uh, self control. Make sure that that I take control of the situation instead of letting the environment and everyone else affect me because I'm I'm dealing with so many people. It's um, if I don't, uh, you know, there's there's points where if I if I lose it, it uh, it affects the ripple effect. Thousands of people. Yeah, the ripple effect a, happens if if and, Ryan blows his stack, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's you know I like yeah I could say that I have influence and I I don't I don't feel like I have influence, but people tell me that I have influence on them. It's like you know I go go to our stores and it's like you know people are scared of me. It's like you've never met me. You just but they're you know. Somehow that I have a reputation, but not not a reputation that's valid. And then they go, "Wow, you know, mm-hmm. you're a nice guy." It's like you you, you own companies, and you're you're not a you know not a monster, old, not a monster. That's yeah. you know, <laughs> right. just it's not all about money, and you actually care about people, and yeah. you want us to. Hmm. It's like, huh? But I could I could blow that whole whole image just with uh, doing one thing wrong. To, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my sphere of influence is my neighbor across the street <laughs> by comparison. So, but, you know, but that it is interesting when you are a person of influence and a, and a person that has leadership, there is a scrutiny that goes with that, isn't there? In terms of, you know, a, a person in your position, if you do lose it and if you don't model something that way, I have to believe that it does have a pretty significant rippling impact across your organization. Right. So, I mean, you know, I like to believe I'm a servant leader. And, you know, my whole job, as we talked earlier, is just to make sure everyone else has the right tools and equipment and everything to do their job at, mm-hmm. at our at our company and mm-hmm. you know I know I know very little about a lot of stuff and they know very very much about their certain area that's why they're in that position because mm-hmm. they have a depth of knowledge there so um, I just need to make sure that they have the right things to get their their job done and you know I just want to you know serve them by serving them they know that they should serve everyone down below them and make sure that they're getting their things done so mm. you know yeah. Make sure I, I lead with kindness and uh, and understanding, and even if there's problems, it's uh, they can be solved, and they all they're all minor in comparison. In comparison, to, that's yeah. true. They're all minor. Yeah. All right. This is a good question to ask with just a couple of minutes 
prior to break. Um, has your attention span gotten shorter in the last five years? Oh, brother, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, I think you and I have chatted about this a little bit, Bill, that, I mean, I used to be able to actually sit down and read maybe 10, 20, 30 pages of a book. Whoa. With, you know, I mean, right? And, <laughs> and I re- it was a couple years ago that I picked up an actual paper copy of a book again for the first time in a good long time. And mm-hmm. I, I think I got through the introductory page of it and I found myself, I got to check my phone, you know, I got to see what's yeah. happening over here and there and stuff. And it became, I mean, it sounds sort of weird, but it became almost a, a spiritual discipline to just say, I've got to stay with this and sort of retrain my brain a little bit to do this. And uh, my uh, three youngest kids and, and me were reading Lord of the Rings right now. We're on Fellowship of the Ring. And even that, I was I could read maybe four pages at a time, then six. And I think we're about up to 15 or 20, and I'm watching them settle it again. So for sure, my attention span has has definitely left me. But you can I'm finding you can sort of regrow it again. And, and we're reading for half an hour, 45 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ryan? Oh yeah, my attention span is is gone. You know, it's basically, gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. If, if the phone's there, or the, I can hear my phone bing in the other room, and it's like I I almost have to you stop. Start what trembling, I'm, don't I'm you? Trembling. It's like, ah, <laughs> like come on, but it's like you know, five years ago, I never you know never even crossed my mind. I could just keep going. There. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of what are some of the consequences of of this mindset. I well, mean, are we gonna are we gonna uh, avoid? people because we're going to be more interested in racing to our technology are yeah. we are we going to spend less time with people well, I think so. I mean, a conversation <laughs> yeah. actually takes some time, attention, and care, you know, for, yeah, for two, three, four, five minutes at a time at least, right? And, yeah. But I find it actually, it began to play itself out, even if I was trying to have some time alone with God, is that, boy, I mean, for, for my mind to be able to just focus in and, and to spend that time without a pinging all over the place. So I think it does really impact our relationship with one another and with God, just this shortened attention span. And, you know, I, the cell phone isn't the cause of all of it, but I think right. it's a pretty significant uh, factor from everything I've read research-wise. Right. Now, tell me how you guys are doing parenting with your kids, obviously 13 and 16, Ryan. That's going to yeah. be kids that are going to be very interested in technology Oh yeah, and uh, staying connected. But then how do you keep them engaged in talking to real people? And Yeah, I mean, our, uh, you know, our youngest son, he, he'll text us from the basement and going, all right, you know, it's <laughs> like, come on. And he's and in the basement. He's in the basement, yeah. and he'll... He'll yell up to us. It's like, you know, the other day, it's like, come up and talk to us. Right. You know, it's like, don't we don't have to yell up and down the stairs. And it's like, but also even even myself, I'm I'm texting people and talking to them where I, you know, it's so painful to just call. Them. You know, it was so much faster to call them. Even, yeah, my, even myself, I even have my own issues there. But yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we give our kids uh, anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and 15 of different kinds of screen and console time and stuff. But what I really try to advocate for them is that you do this together. Play Mario Kart together, you know, play uh, some Zelda game together. Be together as you're doing it instead of just disappearing for three, four, five hours at a time. Because then there's at least a, a relationality that's with it. You're not just you and the screen and you and the screen and that's it. And it doesn't always work out the very best. But I, there's great delight in listening to them laugh uh, together as they're playing these games together. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to talk about things we know to be true, but often have a hard time living them out. Hmm. Things that we know to be true, but oftentimes have a hard time living them out. Oh, things like God loves me. God is trustworthy. God is always good. God knows what we need before we ask. That's all ahead. Coming up in the next uh, 30 minutes, we've got Dr. Peter Kapsner and Ryan Kotula in studio for Guide Talk. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Guy Talks Underway. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Ryan Katula, and we are just uh, talking about a little bit of everything. I want to talk about things we know to be true but often have a hard time living out, like God loves you. Um, sometimes we have a hard time living that out, don't we? Boy, that's, you know, that's true. And I think it, it, it almost, it ends up sounding so cliche, and it should never sound cliche, right? But no. I think it... I think it does. I think one of the things that really impacted me about that statement, Bill, maybe 20-ish years ago or so, is a guy by the name of Brendan Manning was speaking at our church, and, and he said, you know, theologically, God has to love you, but did you know that God liked you? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was that sort of statement that created a little space in my, my brain and I think my heart to, to think of something different as opposed to sort of God through gritted teeth is like, yeah, you know, I love you, but it, that God actually would delight to be with you is that that sort of changed my paradigm a little bit uh, in terms of that. And it wasn't just a nice sentimental statement that he was saying, as it turns out in the Old Testament, when you see the word love, it's the Hebrew word ahava, and it, it literally means a tender-hearted affection for. And, uh, and that really, that helped me because I have such a tender-hearted affection for my children. And you hear the statement that we are God's children. And so even just the practice of recognizing, boy, the way that I feel about my children right now in terms of having a tender-hearted affection for, God feels that way for me, it starts at least bridging some of those gaps that I think mm-hmm. are really hard to otherwise put in play. One of the lies that men often believe, and this came from Robert Wogelmuth's book, is love doesn't require spoken words. Um, He says, for reasons I won't go into, my dad, who died in 2002, had a hard time verbally expressing his love for me, like, out loud. Yeah. Is that something that um, is another generational thing? Yeah, I mean, how'd you grow up, Ryan? I'm curious. I didn't have a lot of it growing up. I knew my parents loved me, but it wasn't said a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I joke with my wife about, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a handshake's as good as a hug, you know, from, <laughs> from my dad. You know, I, you, know, I, you, know it's, you know, with my dad, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, it's very uncomfortable to, for him to give me a hug. I don't, you know, recently, I think he's, he started on it, but it's, you know, growing up, there was no, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there was no, you know, physical affection of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. great to see it. It's more just... Hi, how it's going, and you know, read the newspaper. You know the mm-hmm. the classic reading the newspaper at the table yeah. or doing stuff. It's like you know there was not interaction, but you know with my my kids, of course, you know, I'd hug them in the morning, and hug them at night, say good night to them, and you know it's it's a little different. But you know, and then you talked about you know agape love, and it's a my my opinion of of love is you know as we grow up, you know, as kids, you you love your parents, and that you kind of understand it, but you're you're there, and then you you grow up, and you 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 have your you know your teenage relationships and you're like, you know, I, I, this is real love. I'm deeply in love. It's like, no, it's nothing. And then you get married and it's like the next step up and you think there can't be any more than that. And then you have kids mm. after getting married and you have kids. It's like, wow, this is, this is fatherly love for, for my kids. And this is, you know, this is what God's love is for us is, is, you know, how much I love my kids. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I love my wife, but also like these kids, it's like, you know, and both my wife and my kids do anything for them, but it's like, you know, there's, you know, this is, I think the, uh, you know, there's, you know, you're, we're, we're here for eternity. Mm-hmm. We're looking for, towards eternity, but there's a reason why we're here right now. Why are we here, here on earth? There's, there's a growing and just like growing up, you grow in your love. It's not until I think, until I have kids and uh, as you're growing up that you realize, you know, what, what is God's love in the future for us? What can it be? You have no idea how much love you have in your heart until you have those kids, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, ooh, I got more room. I got I more room. I, didn't even know I had. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah, we sort of laughed as a family with our five kids that uh, you sort of grow a new part of a heart for each kid 
that comes into the family. So, I, you know, I assumed you sort of had to divide up love somehow, but that just, you might have to divide up time a little bit more and energy, yeah. but it is kind of interesting how each kid has sort of their own little spot in, in your heart for that. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, what about grandparents? Did you know your gran- your grandfather? Yep. I knew my, my grandparents and, uh, nice. yeah, they were, um, you know, my, yeah, I was, you know, almost to the point, I was scared of him almost. You were scared of him? <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Like, you know, he was, he was gruff and, you yeah. know, he, he owned a junkyard up in uh, northern Minnesota. And okay. it's like, you know, he's, you know, he's tough guy. Junk, junkyard dog, tough guy, and, yeah. you know, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it's tougher to warm up to someone like that. And also, you know, they're, he's big and tall and I'm, you know, small and, you know, <laughs> five years old. It's like, you know, you're looking up to this guy that you see. Yeah, two, just three, bigger than life. Yeah, two, three times a year, and he's, you know, he's older, and he's, you know, a little scary, you yeah, know. But definitely. But, but if he came in and gave me a hug, I would have been, you know, changed your whole opinion of him. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, he didn't, he wasn't a, a hugger or, you know, gruff. And then my dad, as kind of, as we were talking a little bit about generational, mm-hmm. it's like how, how do you break that chain of like, all right, now, now I love my kids, and I hug them and teach them, and now they're hopefully going to be mm-hmm. more loving people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I, I knew my grandparents and, and enjoyed my grandparents growing up, but um, you know they were my grandpa in particular was was quite gruff and and I think it was just a different relational environment back then. Your sort of kids were to be seen and, and not heard, and you, I didn't doubt that they loved me, but there wasn't a lot of physical expressed affection related to that. And and my parents they became believers when they were about thirty five, I want to say. So we've been talking a little bit about this generational stuff, and the, there got to be a softness that didn't always express itself in physical, um, just in physical ways with us. But you, you, they softened dramatically. There, there got to be sort of a, a peace and a sweetness in their spirit, and those are the things that got passed on that I knew I had their affection, even though it wasn't always expressed physically. Yeah. Does it create a little bit of a disadvantage for men who have not had that contact? Do you think, or do you think we just overcome it and move on? Well, I, you know, while you guys were were talking, I was thinking, I don't know that I've ever shared a non-awkward hug with another guy. I, whether it's right. a, a family member or a family, it doesn't, I mean, <laughs> it's always a little bit awkward. Now, with like, my nine-year-old son, it's not a big deal. But I don't, yeah. why is that? I don't exactly know why. Kind of like, well, we needed to do that, I suppose, but uh, it didn't feel almost comfortable. Yeah. So I, mean, I have one friend who's a hugger, and he just, you know, all of a sudden, he just comes in and hugs everybody and it just it's almost teaching me how to hug, hug yeah. other guys it's like that's all a right. good thing then isn't it, it? Is. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah but right. you know someone has to make that first step and go all right i'm i'm comfortable with this and let's you know it's hey yeah you care about each other and it's why do we have to be like all right let's we're tough guys and just <laughs> let's you know shake yeah, hands and right. you know it's like why am i shaking hands yeah, with fist a, bump. Oh, the fist, fist bump, bump. Been the a fist great bump, creation yeah. i love the fist bump yeah, i do so, too yes. i do too less touching <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles up. All right, but, back. Oh. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, yeah. I mean, and one thing they talk about is, you know, why do guys like physical sports, it's like, you know, football and hitting each other and doing yeah. stuff. It's it's acceptable physical contact with other guys. It's That's like, true. all right, here's, you know, I don't have to feel odd about like hitting a guy and doing something. It's like, right. but everyone needs physical touch. We're in a physical world. We need physical touch. Yeah, and it's, someone's talked about that before. I don't have no idea who it was, but. <laughs> someone's smart. Someone's yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this uh, things we know to be true but often have a hard time living it out. The idea that God is trustworthy. If we know he's trustworthy, we know that's to be we know that's true. Why do we sometimes have a hard time living that out? Well, I mean, I think it's there's just so many awful things that happen in life and and I But he's think, trustworthy. Right. And and yeah. I and I, the only way I know how to process that reality that there's bad things in this world related to God's trust is is the the long game somehow and and to recognize the world is a fractured and broken place um 
And so I, I have to lean into the idea that God is present and that God, uh, in the midst of difficult circumstances, can bring that otherworldly kinds of peace and those sorts of things that we talk about. Um, and he really does. I mean, I, I think about people, I, I know people who have had cancer diagnoses, for example, and have very little time left to live. And, and they talk about the whispers of peace that come in the midst of the brokenness. And so if we, if we think about the trustworthiness of God, that he will always have our back into the future, that doesn't mean that the present circumstances are going to be taken away. But um, I, was, I was really compelled one time by Dallas Willard when he said that the universe is ultimately a safe place. And what he meant by that was that not that bad things aren't going to happen to us, but that uh, the long game is that God will always be present and capable of healing and restoring. And and so trustworthiness as it relates to um, ongoing future is different than the idea of trustworthiness, like all of my present is going to be perfect. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to think about it other than those kinds of terms. Yeah, I mean, with a, it is a long-term game. And it's, you know, you think about things happening in life, there's there's abuse and all this this kind of stuff. It's like, why, if God is present, God's here right now and and seeing that, why, how can I trust him that you know, I feel like I got let down mm-hmm. right now? It's like, but in the in the long game is, how is this building up for the future, building people up for the future? I mean, you know, in the Bible, I'm, you know, with Jeremiah and everybody, it's like, uh, you know, it's, yeah, we're warned sometimes about things, but also there is, there is bad things that happen. And, you know, the, you know, eventually the Babylonians got, uh, got taken down, you know, but they were, they were used by God for a reason to bring people back to him. But I can't understand, you know, there's certain things that happen. You can't, you can't rationalize it going, well, God is good and God is trustworthy. And this is trusting him that this is something that should happen is that's, it's tough in the present time. It really is. It is. And I think about all the decisions that a person has to make in a given day, how many times I sort of just trust in my own wisdom or capacity or background or experience or knowledge or whatever it is. And and what is that invitation in daily decisions to say, I'm not just going to totally take myself out of play, but how do you partner with God in all of your background experiences and all of those sorts of things to trust that the decision moving forward is going to work out in a way that is going to ultimately be the best way forward. But I find it way easier so often just, you know, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if God is entirely, but I know I am and I can trust in my own decision making. And, and it's an interesting thing to think about what it means to trust God on behalf of all of even our small decisions in life. Mm-hmm. When I read Exodus fourteen fourteen, that says the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm-hmm. How are you at being still when you're in the midst of turmoil? Usually, I mean, usually I have to get to a point sort of on the edge of a panic attack before, you know, and, and, you know truly before, <laughs> right. I'm, before I'm sort of like, oh, there's a little invitation to maybe be still in this thing, you okay. know, and because you, you sort of spin it up and spin it up and spin it up. And as soon as you realize, my gosh, I do not have capacity to deal with this, that, then it's that point that I feel like, you know, you know, I don't have any other options. And so often I sometimes I'll start with, you know, I need to be still in this moment, but mm-hmm. mostly it's the result of spinning circumstances that I realize, whoa, way out of my control. Most of the time point. you started with a scramble yeah, to get mo- things solved and figured out. And, oh, absolutely. That, yeah. That's my sort of first I'll fight, response. I'll fight this battle right. on my terms. Right. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. The and then side. after the panic attack settles <laughs> yeah. in, you start to go, maybe I need to be still yeah, and maybe, let God be maybe God. Maybe there's a better option in this moment. And it's so true. And I can't tell you how many times I've been around that block and I don't know why I keep running around the same I block. I get it. Yeah. I've been there as well. Yeah. Ryan, you too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you, yeah. Uh, we're, we, we're all been there. So, like, you know, you you keep going and going and going until you, I mean, until you get to the moment of weakness. Going, oh, I have, you know, I have no other option. Yeah, let me rely on God. It's like, well, well, and it it works out. But it's like, why didn't I start there? Why did I go through all of this, trying to rely on myself and my knowledge when there's infinite knowledge with God and He can, 
and if you have the trust in them and you you put your trust in in God, it 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 works out. It is yeah. you know he 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 never really fails you. You know. Yep. And it's you know that's what uh, you know I I I work myself up into it and into a almost to the point of weakness where it's like I uh, you know I almost have no other choice. But many times I, I, I do stop and go okay. What, what does God want? What is God's will with this? Or, you know, I try to force certain things, you know, as, as we mentioned before, I mentioned before to you, it's like I work on some deals for 700 some days. And it's like, you know, <laughs> if it worked out, it w- I would have made the wrong decisions. And it's like, you know, hindsight gives me yeah. a better perspective on it. And, uh, you know, it's, it does work out in the end if you trust in God. Yeah. It is um, interesting when you realize that God is in control and he is sovereign and now you're already looking back, Ryan. The deal has not been done yet, but you already see the wisdom of the delay. Yeah. Because if you were praying the way you would want your prayer answered, this deal would have been done a long time ago, right? <laughs> nope, yep. And every, it would have been a disaster, day, right? Every day. And it would, I would have made the wrong decisions wow. and the wrong things, and it, and it would have affected lots of kids and kids at schools and all kinds of stuff like that. It's like, huh. It's, yeah, it's enlightening. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lord, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, God Talk's going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have time for uh, any questions you might have. Uh, 877-933-2484. We will chew on anything you like. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Ryan Kotula in studio. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thanks to my guest, Dr. Peter Kapscher and Ryan Kotula in studio. We're having Guy Talk, and we're uh, talking a little bit about everything and everything. Um, I have the right to be angry when things don't go my way. True or false? <laughs> <laughs> I do have the right. I do have the right to be angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah? How good, how good are we at dealing with that, with anger? Don't guys just in general have kind of a low-level surface anger all the time? Well, it, you know, it sure seems to come up pretty readily. I mean, I guess it's, I'm thinking about this question. I, I guess I have the right to be angry, but maybe I don't always have the right to to do something with my anger, uh, I, I would suppose. I, I think that anger can just be sort of a, a bit of a flag that, that tells you a little bit about how you're responding to a circumstance. So it can maybe be an invitation to something, but I think most often my in my anger then just sort of manifests in a, in a behavior that maybe is something that we don't exactly want. Right. Yeah. I mean... If if you ask my friends, it's I'm not a real angry dude, but we we talked about my uh, employees thinking that I could be could be angry, mm-hmm. but I, you know really not. But um, but yeah, I mean I I normally you know have that self try to get that self control and think about it. Why am I angry about this? What's what's mm-hmm. happening? How can I solve this? How can I how can I do better? It's you know even if someone's you know mean to you, it's like well what's going on in their life? You know I, you can jump to the conclusion and go all right, well they're they're just mean people. It's like well there something affected them that caused them just like. Some may, something may have affected me, and then I talk to the next person on the phone. It's like, okay, well, they don't know what I've been through, and I don't know what they've been through. So I, I try to take that perspective to help help with my anger, mm-hmm. anger issues. But um, yeah, it's but I, you you have we have the right to be to react. You know, people if mm-hmm. people mistreat you, you can't just let them roll over you and go, okay, that's that's fine. You can just continue to be mean to everyone. Yeah, there's. There's rightful anger. You yeah, know, there is. There, and there's, you know, God, you know, God doesn't let sin. He can be angry at sin. And, uh, you know, we can be angry at people who are sinning and doing and doing bad things. 
Yeah, I think the anger gets dicey, right? When it's sort of a, a, a slow leak of gas that's always kind of <laughs> happening in your heart and in your heart, and all of a sudden somebody hits it with a match and it just explodes. It's that sort of explosive, not controlled kind of anger, as opposed to I've heard God's anger described as an energy that's being motivated by sort of disappointment and grief, and it's, and it's on behalf of other people. And so if... Uh, I think sometimes we get the confusion that God is so worried about his own sort of name that he gets so easily offended and like he sort of has to have anger like we do. Most often my anger comes, and especially if it even just explodes a little bit, it's because somehow I was offended or I didn't get hurt or I feel defensive or something along those lines. But God's anger is so often on behalf of people who have been hurt by what is happening. And that's a different kind of anger, right. I think, that we're called to. Yeah. Um, when I think of... Luke 15, 1, it says all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds like when all the uh, people on the fringe, the sinners, were approaching to listen to him, the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. When I think of hospitality, and I think hospitality is a word that means lover of strangers, how do you think we're doing in, in, in the world, being lovers of strangers? Yeah, I love that you just quoted that passage. Actually, we were just talking about that in my class yesterday morning a little really? bit. That if what well, just the idea that um, we we started with the idea that God can't tolerate sin, right? Is sort of how you know we were we were talking about it in class. And I said, but if that's actually true, then God made flesh dwelling among us in the person of Jesus, who says he was the very image of the invisible God. Who did he hang out with, and who was he with? And clearly, there's a capacity of God to have sin within God's midst, uh, midst in order to help redeem and restore and call forth. So, I don't. I, I think it, it speaks, Bill, to me of the heart of God a little bit to welcome the people who are hurting and broken and sinful and suffering. Um, God seems to have, in the form of Jesus, the most problem with those people that are religious leaders that are playing games of pretend and falsity and are mm-hmm. actually keeping the people of the kingdom out. And I think sometimes we can, to answer your question in terms of hospitality, I think sometimes we think we shouldn't be with sinners because somehow we're going to be sullied by or something like that, or we shouldn't tolerate sin or all of those sorts of things. But Jesus's table is open to everybody, not to just embrace all of what they're doing, because he was pretty well convinced that within his kingdom, people could change and grow and be healed and, and be freed of their sin. And so I think hospitality is more than just asking, acting nice. It is an invitation that within God's kingdom, um, you can actually be redeemed and restored. And hospitality in that, I don't know that I'd do a great job of that, that mm. reality. So. Well, it's interesting because you, you, know, you teach your kids not to talk to strangers, right? You know, right? And then... We- when you get older, you have to figure out a way to talk to strangers. <laughs> so your whole upbringing was don't talk to strangers, and then you have to flip it around and figure out a way to meet people, make friends. Yeah, and, I, and, and you know, that goes back to even your attention span questions a little bit. What kind of time and, and bandwidth do we actually have to do that these days? I mean, so much of my day is, is already scheduled out. If I wanted to look at my phone, I could see, you know, most likely what's going to happen over the next 12 hours, and it doesn't include meeting with strangers. <laughs> uh, it's usually one thing to the next to the next kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what's the most remote place you've ever been in your life? Just curious. The most remote, right? Remote. Uh, I, I've traveled all over the world, so it's like I've been to, I've been to Haiti and Morea and been you know in the French Polynesians, been to Africa, been to as in Russia in the eighties and uh, cool. You know, we we sell tractors and stuff that we bought from from Belarus and um, I've been to Stalingrad, Leningrad, and all that stuff before. You know, mm-hmm. right after the fall of the Berlin Wall and, um, you know, Alaska. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I, I deal with Australia and New Zealand for, uh, for business, for distributors there. So I... You get yeah, over there once in a while? Get over there once in a while and yeah. China a, a fair amount and uh, Vietnam and, uh, yeah. 
been I've been around the world, so yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spent our 25th anniversary this past summer uh, for a few days in Iceland, and that was pretty remote. But I, I think that the the most remote experience I had was um, when we were in Scotland at one point, we rented a van as a family at about 6 o'clock in the morning, and the sun doesn't come up in the winter there until about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. So we had an opportunity to drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. And by the time we got into the Scottish Highlands, the sun was coming up, and we sort of all looked around, and you there was no sign of civilization anywhere. And, in fact, the road was pretty narrow and kind of dirt road. And I just thought, if something happened right now, I don't think people might ever find us kind of thing. It was it was both beautiful and humbling and disconcerting all at the same time mm-hmm. to just see the signs of no civilization anywhere. It was a really beautiful moment mm-hmm. uh, up in those mountains like that. I was uh, lost on the streets of uh, Cairo one night. Mm. And they don't have good street lights. Like I should say, they have no street lights, so it gets incredibly dark, and all you hear is the humming of people speaking in a language you don't understand, and you don't know where you are, and you can't figure out a way to get out. So that was—I remember that being a fairly panic-filled night. Yeah. So I mean, what did you do? Did you find your way home at that point? I did eventually. Yeah. You know, I found someone that could get me back to my hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you didn't have Google Maps working with you at that point. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Right. Yeah. But you know, the feeling of. That feeling of being in a remote place where you go, no one in the world knows where I am right now. Yeah. Except God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you are so dependent on God for not only everything, but you get reminded of how comfortable you are in your everyday environment and how you can sort of push God to the, a little bit of the edge when you, when you feel so much in control of your environment. Then you get plucked somewhere where you just feel helpless yeah. and alone and you go, wow. And if you, you know, it feels sort of small too. And I mean, very, I don't know, I, you know, in teaching classes and you're the, you know, I'm the professor and as professor Kapsner and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, if you're not careful, you can start thinking that maybe even a hundred people in life might know you. And, uh, and it's, it's uh, pretty f- crazy how fast it happens that you can descend into anonymity and you realize just how small you are in a very, very big world with a lot of different kinds of people in it. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are, are business guys and here's, Something I'll just throw out because I found this interesting. Chick Fil A is closed on Sundays, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in and Out Burgers—they list Bible verses on their cups. In and Out Burgers does. In and Out Burgers, I did not know that. Yeah, they do. Um, so, and both companies are undoubtedly the most preferred fast food chains in America, aren't they? Yeah, yep. safe to say. Yeah, and they're both—they're both built on a foundation of Christian values. There's a lot of anti-Christian discrimination going out. They're looking for any opening to attack anybody for any reason. That's connected to God, faith, Christian values. I, I love how they're not like entirely in your face. They just are who they are with that. And I think that's why they are so well attended and, and part of why they've had a staying power and why they're pretty compelling. I mean, they they are hospitable places, to use that word they just mm-hmm. use. It's, it's easy to go there and uh, you know what they stand for. But at the same time, somehow it's not in your face and it's not so off-putting because there is, to your point, I think a lot of energy against Christianity that is happening in our country right now. And somehow they're weathering that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's tough to tough to share your uh, your faith within within work. I mean they have you know discrimination laws, but it's like you're being discriminated against your yourself by saying sure. you know, I can't you know I'm a, a solid Christian and I want to share that and you know it's huge impact in my life and that's who I am and you know trying to live a, a servant leadership life and you know what would Jesus do and you know but can I mention that to people at work and all of a sudden all it takes is one out of the 3,000 people that work for me is go, oh, yep, I'm offended and I'm going to do lawsuits and I'm doing all this. It's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but if you, you got to stand by your faith and, you know, trust, the trust in, trust in God that this is the right thing. And, 
you know, I, I think with uh, with Chick Fil A, you can you can see that they're they're out there and they're not forcing in people's face, yeah. but everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan, uh, this is your first visit to Guy Talk. We'd love to have you back. You're headed to your son's soccer game tonight. Is that true? Yep. Five o'clock start. Is that what time the game starts? Five o'clock start. Yeah. In Minneapolis. Don't know where it's at, but. Minneapolis somewhere. You will find it, yeah. <laughs> and, and Peter, you have uh, activities this afternoon as well? Uh, my son was at, I think, a birthday party this afternoon, and then my wife and I are meeting some friends for a short meal tonight. Um, our family's actually heading out of town for several months. Um, I'll be back and forth quite oh, yeah. a bit, but yeah, my family's going to find Scotland? themselves in Scotland for a little while. So and you're going to um, go back saying, and forth a couple times? Yeah, I'll be back and forth. I'm, I'm mostly here, then through the holidays I'll be there. But uh, So we're saying goodbye to some friends tonight over dinner. But, That's fabulous. Uh, yeah, should but be good. Thanks, both, thanks to both of you for coming into the studio and being guests on Guy Talk. I've loved having you, and I know our listeners have as well. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Peter. Me. That was great to be here, Bill. Yeah, we're going to uh, wrap up Guy Talk, and then uh, Bev Canaris is going to be joining me in the studio coming up in just a couple of minutes, and I'm looking forward to that. We're going to talk about the, the IMs. That's going to be a great hour. So we'll take a short break and be right back for hour two. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.